Welcome to the third episode, I think, of Simply Complex Podcast. Today, we have alongside me my co-host, uh, Karim, finally. We've got him on. And today's our guest, uh, Gary. Does uh, Gary say what's up? How are we? How are we? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I don't know what to it's say, what you say. <laughs> Yo. Because it's his oh, first well. time. We're, we're getting used to it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's only our third episode. Um, and... We kind of, you kind of got into it. So just to kind of explain to Kareem, I met Gary last Friday at some, well, what, what do we call it? Kind of it a, was a university event, wasn't it? Some university event. Okay. And basically, it was a bunch of industry people, and they were basically trying to get free interns, right? Pretty much. Free work. Free work. So literally, what drew me to, uh, drew me to Gary straight away was the guy couldn't care about the work. He just wanted to help the kids okay. effectively help students because I remember there was a um, part in it where a student asked how do I if I'm feeling down how do I cope with it yeah yeah it was something every industry person was like by working hard achieving your dreams all this nonsense pretty much because they wanted them to recruit right uh, to get the students and then Gary was like straight away he said uh, because you're a professional footballer You'd been through the low and now became a volunteer worker, which we'll kind of get into. And I was like, man, thank God someone's saying something real. You know yeah. what I mean? Like everybody else is trying to use and abuse this kind of situation. Well, it yeah. was that question of like, how do you get to be where you are? Yeah. And how do you get to be where you are? And exactly. it was that generic answer of follow your dreams. Do, do you exactly. Know it's like no, a, lot, a lot of these kids that Life's not like that. saying these random questions, random answers and stuff like that. And what drew me to Gary straight away was, you could tell he was real. He didn't really like put a filter on it. He didn't put anything on it, which was cool. I kind of want you to go into it straight away and kind of, I'll stop because nobody knows you. Mm-hmm. Kind of explain what you do, who you are, where do you live, that kind of start, just to yeah. roll um, into it. I'm quite a simple, humble man from, I'm born and bred in Preston, um, currently live just outside of Preston, but um, very humble beginnings, grew up on a council estate, you know, but the school of hard knocks really, innit? you know, you, you learn to fight or you're getting bullied, you're getting battered on these kind of estates, um, yeah. or the estate I grew up on um, in Preston, there's literally one way on and one way off it. So you can imagine a lot of crime happens, you know, the police, you know where you're going, you know all the rat runs, you know, you know, it is, it's a tough place to grow up. But at the same time, it's quite a special place to grow up because there's still that good sense of community. You know, we knew all the families and every family knew us. Um, I, was, I was safe on my streets. Yeah. You know, it, I know that I could have walked down my street and if I needed help, knocked on any single one of them doors and they knew who my dad were, who my mum were, where I lived and what they could do for me. So... I was really blessed to grow up where we were, but at the same time, it's believe me, it's not got the best reputation. I mean, you'll know, obviously, living in Manchester, yeah. in places like this, they don't get a good reputation. But what you miss is these good, solid families that live there still, you know, every yeah. day. Yeah. And they're still there. Now I'm lucky enough, um, I actually work, one of my main bases for work is on the estate that I grew up on. So I'm getting all kids come to the door and it's like, do you know my mum? Do you know my dad? And I'm like, yeah, I know them. I went to school with them. I did that with them, you know. It's dead cool to go back and see. Well, is, is that through like, what, like helping, like how do they know you kind of thing? It, it comes through um, conversation because I still have family members on that estate as well. Yeah. So when family are coming to the door and talking to us and because I'm based in like a local community centre, so 
when family are coming and speaking to us and it's that knock on effect, that ripple effect that it has on the friends, you know, like, who's this? Oh, your cousin, your uncle, you, you know. Yeah. And it's like, but it's really easy then to engage with these kids that have got a chip on the shoulder, that want to be the next big thing, you know. A lot of them, I'm, I'm meeting kids that are 13 year old and drug dealing. And you know, it's frightening, but then being a positive influence, talking to them about better choices in life they can make, you know. Who, I, I, I were really, really lucky me in growing up that I have football as a focus. Yeah. It slept, everything, my whole life with football. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do with myself. That's the only thing I ever did with myself was play football everywhere. I went to took a football with me and it's that old, I mean, you, you listen to pro footballs and all of them say that I had a football everywhere I went. I genuinely had a football everywhere I went. I can't remember a time when I weren't kicking a ball around. Yeah. So my life, I mean, I didn't take school seriously. You know, I, I, I was the class knobhead. The, I'm sorry for swearing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, were, I, I was the person dicking around in class, you know. Yeah. I, I, I guess I was naturally clever because I never paid attention, but still did well at GCSE and stuff, you know. Yeah. You were that kid, innit? Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I was. I didn't um, deserve it, but I got the grades. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I were I were quite popular in school. Obviously, you know. I I, I felt I got a long way on on reputation, you know, like of someone that's that's good at sports, you know, yeah. that that good looking guy gets all girls and he's good at sports and that lot and that was my life. So I sort of I'm dead conscious now as an adult that I only ever seen life through my eyes. Yeah. And it's the same as us three sat in this room right now. We all got a different view. Yeah. You know, you're looking over there, you're looking that way and I'm looking that way. It's yeah. a completely different view. Except we're in the same room, are we not? Yeah. You know, and it's the same of being on this earth. We all have you know, we, we all have shit that's gone on in our life, like, but I only ever seen stuff through my eyes, yes. and I'm quite narrow minded to, to look through my own eyes. Yeah. So, this is where um, what I think the interesting part you found about my life, and it's when, when stuff didn't go my way, when my path changed, when forcefully changed as well, and it was through no fault but my own. When we met and when I meet professionals, I often say to people that, um, Oh, I stopped playing football, me, because of a bad injury. Yeah. Complete lie. And it's pure. What happened at the time was I got in with a wrong crowd. I got in with, with guys that we were doing a lot of drugs, um, smoking a lot. We were taking endless amounts of pills and cocaine. Wait, so how old are you at this point? At this point, probably got to 17. 17 were Wait. probably a key point. I'm sorry, just a quick one, because mm. how old are you now? 33. 33. So you're 17 at this point where you were playing football, like, how often? Every day. Every single day. Um, luckily, obviously, I play club football. So... So you actually did? It, we, you were so, just like one of these guys who just said he was good. It, <laughs> yeah. It's one of them... Yeah, no. I wasn't... I can't say that I was naturally a gifted footballer. And to be honest with you, through my younger years, I, I got in the squads... Yeah. But I never got in the team, if that makes sense. You know, I spent a lot of time on benches and stuff, but then that's for, like, club football. And if you come out of it and you're playing with your mates, you're the best thing they've ever seen on the street. Yeah, true. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, like, different levels, you seemed. Was it anything yeah. to do with the fact that you lived in a council estate and you wanted to escape and sort of No, do you know what? If, if you'd have asked me at the time, I was going to live there forever. 
Okay. And you know, that so was my attitude. Because you like football. Love football. Yeah, That's yeah. it. Genuinely love football. It doesn't matter who I were playing for, where I were playing it. Love football. And like I say, I were luckily, I got that, I got that chance. Yeah. I got that chance and, and it come at an unlikely time. Um, it was that transition of going from you know, like high school to college and yeah, yeah, yeah. and what do you do with that time and there was much better footballers around me that never got a chance yeah and I, like I say I was not naturally gifted as a footballer I wasn't you know like you look at the likes of your big names and yeah, yeah, you yeah. can tell they're just born to play football not yeah, me yeah yeah I was clumsy I was quick I could tackle and I could header and I could throw a ball for me. I was that Rory Delap for all you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that literally got by on a reputation of being able to throw, I tackle anything that run at me. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm, I, I was really, really good in the air. I, I could header a ball off anybody, nobody would beat me, but I was confident, Yeah. you know. So luckily that, that break come, um, got signed by a, a local club. Yeah. And they invited me up to a college where they were going to you know, like pay for like all my tuition and put me through college and yeah, yeah. and really invested time and effort into what, me. What was your support network like back then? Your family, but, like, did you have a? My family, it, we had a bit of a fractured. This it come at a bit of a fractured time for me because my mum left our family home when I was thirteen. I think I were me, the youngest of us. So I'm one of four lads. I've got three brothers. Yeah. So, when my dad, my dad, growing up, with my dad was an antique dealer. Okay. And he provided so well for us as kids. And on this council estate, and we was on a street that was notorious. It was rough. And I mean, there wasn't, you know, like you think of having your weekend sessions and there's a bit of music going on. This was every day there was something going on. Yeah. You know, like every day someone's pissed and someone's fighting. Someone's yeah. stabbed someone, bit someone's ear off, you know. And most nights I spent in my bedroom window looking out at window, wondering what cars are flying up and down and who's fighting with you. Yeah. So when my mum, I tell you what, I'll, I'll be dead open and honest with you, is, um, my mum had an affair with my dad's brother, which he was an alcoholic. He, the amount of times my dad took him in, um, put him up while in his recovery, obviously he spent... This uncle of mine, I really cherished, and he was a he was a pioneer in our family. You know, like he was, he had his own business, the nice house. He lived in the nice area of Preston. He had a nice car. You know, he had everything you could ever want, and we everybody looked up to him. Yeah. But inside, obviously, his life was chaos. He was an alcoholic. He beat his women. He he was a horrible, horrible yeah. person. Yeah. Um. So through this kindness, and, and I never noticed it at the time, but then when my dad's away working, providing for our family, my mum was a, a stay-at-home mum, if you will. Yeah. And my uncle's coming around all the time. But I, but we always seen him, if that makes sense, so it would never... It was never weird. Yeah. Innocent-minded, you're, so, not, you're not going to yeah, question no, it, are you? Yeah. Yeah. One day, um, I'd come home from school to my dad being sat at this table, and like I said, because my dad was an antique dealer, we had weird things in our house. We was in this, like I say, this council house, yeah. and we've got a massive, long, like, nine-chaired table, this really yeah. antique table, yeah. and my dad sat on the end of it and just burst into tears, and I've never, that, that was the first time I'd ever seen my dad cry. How old were you at the time? 13. 13. I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm about 12, 13. Okay. okay. And 
And my dad's never lied to me. The thing is, with me and my dad, we're really close, really, really close, and I love my dad. Um, and he, he'd, he'd never missed a football game I played. Up until, I think, the first game he ever missed me playing, I was 17. Wow. And I'm thinking, you know what, and that was playing two, three times a week. Yeah. So he committed a lot of time, so he invested a lot in his kids. He loves us. He did with my mum. He loved my mum to bits. Yeah. Um, so to see my dad obviously completely broken, my mum's then left and she's gone with his brother. You know, what that did to our family just absolutely ruined us at the time. You know, we was in pieces. But then because I was the young, the oldest of, of the brothers, oh, brothers yeah. a lot of it indirectly fell on my shoulders. It's going to guide your brothers. It was very much so, and I had to grow up like that, and I had to grow up fast because I've got three brothers. Obviously, like out of my three brothers, uh, Phil's quite a placid person. He just gets on. He, I'm very, very proud of my brothers. Um, all three of them. Um, our Phillips in in the British Army now. He serves. He's just a wonderful, wonderful human. Him. Um, same with my other brothers, they had such a tough time growing up and I didn't make it easy for them neither. Um, both my youngest two, uh, they're both gay, but they knew that from a very, very young age. You know, they come out at, both of them, I think they were 15 years old when they actually come out as gay. So they were still at high school. Yeah. So, but that growing up for them, and I've only now again as an adult looked and I thought, what must your life have been? I had the best of everything out of my family. Do you know, I grew up with my family, with my mum and dad, till I got to, you know, I hit my teenage years. So how old are your brothers? Like, how much younger than So, I, Phil's three years younger than me, Anthony four, and now Jack's the youngest, who's nine years younger than me. Okay, so, so, so there's a bit of an age gap. Yeah, yeah. so there's an age gap, and, and with that age gap come, fra not fractures, but you, me and our Philip were really close, really, really close, it was me. Gosh, the stories I get told of as soon as he were born, I wanted to feed him, play with him. You know, I, I loved yeah, having a brother. Yeah, and yeah. It was my life complete then. Just had a bond with him. But then Anthony, who's only a year younger than our Philip, we clashed so badly as kids. Like, we couldn't be in the same room. And I love him. If he, if he ever sees us, I love you so much. But um, <laughs> well, I was couldn't. horrible to him. Yeah. Awful to him in his upbringing. And I bullied him. <laughs> And I just made his life a misery, but then that weren't just at home, he'd go to school and get bullied. You know, his life must have been shit. Or Jack's the same, but our Jack, because there's nine years between us, we didn't have anything in common. I was living my life, I'd grown up and lived my life, you know. Lots well, of didn't realise what they were going through. Obviously, it's, in, like, it's unintentional. Usually, like, you know, growing up, you have a family structure, and it's the way you're describing it right now. At the time, you didn't mean to be horrible. It's just the way things were. Mm -hmm. you're, you're closer to one. And then sometimes it changes as well. You know, from time to time, yeah, you get closer yeah. to the one that you're not so close with before. Um, but yeah, so moving forward, was it sort of the same relationship? Uh, yeah. You uh, see, my dad, what my dad did, and took us, it weren't a question. We weren't going with my mum. We were staying with my dad. He'd done nothing wrong. We were staying. My dad at the time, because obviously he did a lot of work in the antique businesses, a lot of time away and a lot of hours in and Jack was only three, two, three at the time so it was a case of right well he's got this toddler as well now what's he going to do with himself so my dad left that job started working at a lo it, the school, the local school 
yeah. so that he could be off during term time, you know, like, and to be, with you, to and be, to be make sure that Jack can get to and from school and, and support him through school. Um, so my dad sacrificed a lot for us, yeah. a lot for us. And because obviously the wage difference and so on, because obviously there's a lot of money to be made doing what he did, but just to get a steady nine to five in a school, didn't pay like he did. Yeah. So my dad at one stage had three jobs, I think three jobs, four jobs, and he'd work. Wow. And, and I can't exaggerate if I say he worked 18, 19 hour days. He'd drive, he'd drop newspapers off in morning foot shops, get home, get us ready for school, take us all to school, go to work at school, come back, maybe have something to eat, spend a bit of time with us. Like I say, get us to activities if we were at football or doing whatever. And then back to work, it go. But kind of at that age, did you kind of understand it, or do you? Were you just like, well, like I always think people think, oh, frustrated, my dad's never there, or you're like, oh, my dad's putting oh, a shift no, in for me. Oh no, never, never questioned that because my dad, he, he's really open with me, and he's like, right, son, I need to watch lads because I'm going to, to work now. So I were left obviously watching lads, which I would never bother about. I never questioned, you know, like, oh, dad, get gone, yeah, no problems, because obviously he's providing a life for us and. Yeah. So I got it. I was old enough to get it. And so when lads are questioning, like, where's dad? When's he coming back? But what we've seen over years, you've left five lads in a house that was nice, you know, nicely decorated and, and, and was. We had nice furniture and yeah, good yeah. stuff growing yeah, yeah. up. So suddenly we had, how it happened, God knows. But over the years, we had no carpet on the floor. We had no wallpaper on walls. Yeah. Our house was a shit all. And absolutely... It really was. Um, our Anthony had this thing of cats. He used to bring frigging stray cats home all the time. House were bouncing with fleas. <laughs> you know, you, you weren't want to bring your mates around to our house. It was just a mess, you know. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Is that the point when your mum had moved out? So, yeah, my mum, she'd gone. She'd probably gone that. When it got to, like, the state it did, my mum had been gone about, say, six, five, six, seven years. And it went down. And it just went downhill. Our standard of living went downhill because you. Your dad had always sort of worked and yeah. provided. Your mum had always taken care of the house. Yeah. And now all of a sudden this responsibility has shifted all to. But, but like straight away, I'm just thinking like Gary, man, the, you had to adjust, like you said, quick. Oh yeah, yeah like, there was no choice though. But how did you deal with that though? Like it, it, on reflection. It just happened. It just happened. You just go with it. You, you, yeah. you just live for that moment, don't you? You know, like yeah. it's right, bang, well, this is what we've got. Come on, Dad, we're going to make it right. And and we'll go with it. And, and I can't say that I had a bad life. I know I'm saying that stuff was shit. Yeah, and, and, like and, it, yeah. and the aesthetics around me looked crap and my clothes were shit. But I had a bloody good life. You know, I had good friends around me. I had good family. We still had a really good close bond all us family. And we still do. None of us have ever fallen out or yeah. even had an argument with each other. Yeah. I get it, but do you know when, like, when you look back at it, it's usually the case, but at the time, like, were you in a relationship, your social life, like, did it not affect all these things, because it usually does, oh, massively. so take, take us back to it when you were that age, yeah. and you, you're going through this. Well, you've got to imagine that at 13 year old, your hormones are racing, you know, you've got exactly. to, all girls are in your court, and... And I'm not saying nothing. I, mean, I can't say to him, so oh, I long for that mother figure, do you know, like I would miss my mother figure. I didn't. I just, I was like a dog with a tin dick. If it was yeah. there, I'm going to shag it. And that's how it, that's how it was. But that was it. That was all the way through high school. It was, and I can, do you know, and I look back and I think about it and I was so selfish again because 
I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, we're good at shagging me, we're a top shagger, we're good at sex. I was fucking crap at it. I literally jumped up there, did two things, and then that's it. Yeah. And she's like, and I'm like, I'm the man, me, get up buzzing, face pump the air, and I'm been well, through do, that one. Do, do, like, the whole relationship break between your mum and dad, did it affect you in a sense where you're sort of trying to escape something and you go out there and it affects, like, even, like, you do some things as a teenager. And in your head, that's what every teenager does. But sometimes when a teenager comes from, let's say, a broken home, yeah, they it's like they unintentionally want to ruin their life because they don't feel like they have a help. purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, that time with my mum leaving, that was more resilience building. That really, I can't, I can't look back and say that that part of my life broke me. Yeah. Because it, I think that part made me. If anything, um, stuff got real and changed for me. Um, sadly, I lost um, a cousin who took his own life. He was very close to us, and even the the, the day before he took his uh, his own life, um, I'd seen him two days prior. Um, I had a big game coming up, and I'm like, "Are you coming to watch?" He's like, "Yeah, me and my brother are gonna come and watch him." Blah blah blah. And he'd gone on session. Come back. when he come back, he took his own life. That that. He, that part of my life, that that was the big downfall. But how old were you then? Oh, um, seventeen. Um, so, kind of, you got into this part of the story before we kind of went. <laughs> to, we had a toilet break, uh, where you were kind of digging into. Uh, what can you call it as the his background, effectively? Yeah, this is probably like <clears throat> the demise of me. Yeah. And me and me own of me own doing as well. Yeah. Um I I grew too big for my boots, if anything, you know, like I was on top of the world, I felt untouchable, honestly. Girls hanging off me. So this is from leaving high school, yeah. going to college. Um I went to a college where I knew nobody and nobody knew me, so I had a clean slate. Nobody knew like this little scummy get off Mary Nukes just like rolled yeah. into finger. Yeah. I could have been anybody. Um, so I, I, I was really appreciative of that. <clears throat> so when I started, obviously, again, football was just going fantastic for me. I couldn't do no wrong. I was getting better and better and better. Every day I was meeting better coaches. Um, life was just so how, how, fantastic. How much would you train? Like, How often would you train? Then I'd probably train um, for club three... Well, it depended really because because there was there was an element of travelling now because um because of the club I had to travel to and depending where they played t twice a week I was out of so you were higher county. than typical Sunday league yeah 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 so what, what level were you at this played, point? at this stage you were playing what you'd now call your under twenty threes is it okay. I know structures changed so like, it a lot like semi so you're looking at your um. You're looking into like breaking, uh, breaking your barriers into like your reserve teams. Okay, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so like I said, I've become then at home. I'm coming home in all these tracksuits and nice trainers, you know, from football clubs, and people are like taking notice. Nobody give a shit what team it was. It's just that you played for a team. Yeah. And so it's like people wanted to know you on that estate. People wanted to be around you, mate. When you've got something, they give it you for nothing. You know what I mean? It's like whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, have it for notes. Um, 
this was the same wherever I went. I started going to nice places, you know, meeting people that happy. They, they blow your head off, you know, like when you meet them, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I met that person. But then you're trying to be cool as it when you're there. Yeah, this, yeah, is yeah, all, you know? this is all like beginning of college, right? So this is all, yeah. This, this is from, from the way you're describing it, it's like you shifted from the guy that was in high school that just cared about girls, you know, getting laid and whatnot. And now you, you're saying you appreciate the fact that you can have a clean slate. It sort of indicates that something happened to you where you're thinking... I want something else. I want something better. I want something bigger. Oh, it was greed, pure greed. I wanted more. Why? More. What? What? Why? What was the trigger? When you look back on it in reflection, it is. It's probably all that's missing. I wanted everything that I haven't got. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think you do, don't you? Naturally. Well, in the sense of like money. It was everything. I didn't have money. Okay. I didn't have a girlfriend. Yeah. You know, like I didn't have a job. I, I, I literally just I wanted the world. Yeah. But all I wanted to do was play football for it. That that was I was so narrow minded. The course I did was called football studies. What kind of a course is football studies? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like somebody's made it up. You were so focused on football and that was it. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. And and life were good, like I say, people treat me completely differently. Yeah. Completely differently, you know. And this is from people that didn't want to know me once upon a time, or, or I just didn't even come on the radar. You know, I walked past the meet street, they wouldn't say no, and all of a sudden I'm walking down the street, hey, we've got a game this weekend, what are you at this week? Yeah. Like, who are you Suddenly playing? they cared about you. Suddenly it's like, hey, oh, do you know what? Like, I'm all right here. My friend circle started getting a bit. People that I considered that I wanted to be around, do you know, like these were, again, these were professional athletes, you know. At the time, my friends were, were playing professional rugby and, and, and so on. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. At one stage, one were an international rugby player and these are the people I'm associating myself with thinking, man, you know, like, you, you're in right circles, are you? And they were, uh, take nothing away from them, they were lovely, lovely, lovely people, fantastic to be around. But realistically, I don't think they'd ever met anybody like me. Yeah. That was wild. I was like Tigger. I was I come in like Tasmanian Devil. Me, I bounced everywhere. I was loud. I was, oh, I was in your face. Yeah. You know, I I was I oozed confidence, oozed it. But that was, that was wherever I were. No matter what I were doing, I had no problems in talking to girls. You know, like um, picking up girls left, right, and centre. Um, living just living the dream. Living yeah. the dream, do you know what I mean? And it was only a short period of my life, a little, little tiny period of my life, this. Um, and then, me, um, we got the sad news, obviously, that, that my cousin had taken his own life. And just before that, I'd say for about six months of that, I'd been in a relationship as well. I'd found a girl yeah. who I really liked. She'd sucked my breath away. I remember first seeing her. And you are sort of like, honestly, it was like being kicked in the stomach. I'm like, wow, I really like her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I lost my confidence in talking to her. But yeah, you know, like, I broke it down and, and, and we got in, in a relationship. Um, but that ended. That relationship ended. And Six months. Literally, that, you know, like, that was my first experience of having a relationship. Before that, I didn't want to have a relationship. I weren't interested in having a relationship. I'd done that, like I said, at school. Yeah, yeah. I'd had girlfriends all the way through school. I didn't want. I just wanted to sleep around, be myself, have no responsibility. The only purpose that you had was football. Only purpose. That's it. As long as, I got up and, as long as I got up and played football, I was not bothered. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Where, like, say, I found this girl that I really liked, really, really liked, 
And, suddenly and then suddenly that relationship ended. And inside a week of that ending, my cousin had taken his life. Someone that you were close to. Very close to. Um, he was a year older than me. We grew up together. We grew up around the corner from each other. We, you know, like, so... And was we grew he, up, how old was he? Around, was he, he was like, 18. in relation to you? So he, he, was, was, he was a year older than me. Okay. He's still so, blessing in peace. Oh yeah, seriously. It was, it was, I've never experienced anything like this, never experienced loss like it. I've never lost anybody that I was so close to. Um, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to deal with it. What do you do? Who, who teaches you how to cope with grief? Um, I did this little ritual. It was stupid, really, when I think about it, because it, but it meant something to me, where I'd get a piece of tape, Back then, obviously, your socks were always knackered, weren't they? So you'd always tape your socks yeah, up yeah. ready for footy. And I always ripped a piece of tape off and just stuck it on my chest. And I'm like, that one's for you, just so I know that it's just something for you. Nobody else knew what it was. Yeah. You know, it was just a little... It, a little gesture. Yeah, 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 just a little gesture, if you will. But then football started changing for me. Um, I started playing really aggressively. Really aggressively. I mean, I'd walk across them white lines and I'd start frothing at the mouth. I was just rabid, honestly. Biggest person on pitch, you guaranteed I'd be pointing him out. I'm like, ah, you Sorry to call you. How long after the suicide was that? The this case? was all June. Was it, it, right, all, it all time. felt okay. into, like, in, in this. Yeah. It was probably in the span of like a year, over the year. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this time period. It felt all at the same time. It, this is when. What I didn't know at the time is that I had slumped into a serious state of depression, but I didn't see it and I didn't know it happened to me. But like I say, football got aggressive and, and, and all I wanted to do was fight with people. I genuinely were going on football pitches to kick the shit out of people. And, and my coaches were getting onto this, you know, and I were getting bollockings in changing rooms. They'd be like, why are you doing that? You know, like, no matter your size, no matter where you were from. Afterwards, I'd shake your hand and I'd, and I'd be as nice as pie. Sometimes. You're just venting out. Oh, yeah. mate. Here's the pitch. Fuck. I, t I remember sitting in the changing rooms once before a game, which I considered like quite a, a big game for me. Crying. Crying my eyes out with that worked up about getting on. And people are like, you're well into this, you, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, I fucking can't wait to go. I'm raving to go. I can't wait to get on pitch. But what, like, why did you turn into this person? Because, like, when you, when everything was going wrong at home, you seem to have handled it well. Yeah. Was it the fact that it was a build-up or was it adding to... What, what was it that made you it's, sort of just to lose who you are? This is it. And this is, like I mentioned to you earlier, this is the first time I've ever really spoke. So I've never really spoke to anybody who tried unpicking this because it's... It's funny, I can reflect now. I think I'm of an age where some of it's obviously my brain's developed and I can reflect and I can look back on that and know exactly what were happening because I've learnt... Yeah. But then I, I, I can't I cannot justify anything I were doing. I can't tell you why I did it. I can't say that oh I treat girls like shit because I, I like I had issues with my reason, mum. Yeah. I can't say Just like did it you did it. I wanted to kick shit out of people because my cousin had taken his yeah. life. Yeah. I can't say it because I don't know. But I changed. I but kinda of like on a daily basis after that, how did you feel? How were you feeling on a daily basis? Because you went from because the whole time you've been telling this positive, mm. it's you were you lived your best life in that sense. Well, I was not just that. Like to be honest with you, when I'm listening to your story, I'm taking everything in, but I'm trying to get to know you as a person. And like usually, 
you know, when you look at the way someone yeah. handles something, it yeah. tells you a lot about the person. Yeah. You seem like you were very clean hearted, like you didn't no, do anything out of, you know, animosity or anything. It was just a case of I've never a been a bad person. What, I never what, will what? consider myself to be a bad person. I've done some stuff I'm not proud of and I've hurt some people. Yeah. Um and I turned to a nasty person at times, but I never I, I had my reasons. Yeah. But uh, if, if I can go back, you know that my name is Earl kind of thing, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd yeah, love yeah. to go back and rectify mm. it all, rectify I really, really all, would. Yeah. Um, hence, part of my motivation to do this is to give something back. Um, but in that time, when, when I was changing and I was developing and all this aggression is coming out of me, I, I'm talking that over that year of 17, 17 years of age, like, I started going to clubs, um, you know, like lads are taking us on holidays and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. this, and and all these people that are wanting to invest in you and put the time into you and make you the best you can be. I was training like an animal. Every day, I, I written it hard. Um, my body were in pieces. My knees are still suffering now because of it, because of how much I put in. Um, and then I started getting into, um, art, well, it, it was outer season and pre-season were coming in. And, and a lot of my friends from the council state I was on, um, we started jumping on these like a bit of a lifestyle change, if you will. Yeah. I started introducing you know, into pubs and clubs and stuff. And this is going back when you could smoke in pubs and stuff, and people were smoking weed in them. And our yeah. pubs were rough, mate. Fuck it. Yeah. So I started drinking. I never, because I never really drank or anything. Never took anything. Never did anything. So I started drinking. And then, because you're in that environment, you know, like fags went hand in hand with a drink oh i'll have a fag and a drink and i'll have a fag and, and it just smoking crept into my life and i don't know how that happened yeah and then all my mates smoked weed and because i smoked fags i'm like oh fuck it go on i'll try i'm not getting drug tested didn't time soon you know let's get a go like that bang 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 and then um all these groups of lads they started following like football hooligan you know they started yeah, going yeah. on terraces and started causing mayhem you know all dressed in stone island and aquascutum and yeah, yeah, develop yeah. that football and I'm following these people and I'm like yeah I'm, I'm, I'm on terraces I'm frigging raving I'm, I'm going for it why I had everything like if, yeah, if I weren't playing on the Saturday you guaranteed I was on terrace with lads yeah you know like pissed as a fair and kicking up a storm and then um one day I got um I got wind of one of my friends who didn't he didn't do anything he, he had a bit of a drink now and then never touched a thing in his life and it's like he's took cocaine and I'm like, fuck off, he's took cocaine. Not if he's doing it, I'm doing it. And that's how that's how cocaine started. And it was like, right, fuck. And it's the greediest drug I have ever taken in my life. That consumed me. I'd gone from, obviously, because I was making a, a lot of money, I started buying, you know, maybe like 50 quid a time, whatever. So you were, you were professional, money. you were making money, you were on contract now. Yeah, and... Yeah. and and it's like, and, and you've got to keep this social persona all the time. You've got to be seen by people all the time. I had to surround myself with people. I hated my own company. If you left me on my own, nine out of ten times, I'd sit there crying. Yeah. I was, I, I then, at this time, like I say, I'd, surround, I'd just surrounded myself with people and it were the wrong people because I was desperate for them. So, started doing drugs, started doing cocaine, started spending a stupid amount on cocaine. Um, in this time, while I'm taking all these drugs, my fitness levels are crashing. You know, football wasn't doing what it was for me. Well, I wasn't doing what I knew I could. I'm making stupid mistakes. I'm losing focus. I'm getting dropped from teams that I should never have been dropped from, you know. 
And, and stupidly, this is now the defining factor in my life. And this is when I said, when I say to people, like, I got an injury and I had to stop playing football, I never, one day, lads had gone out again on, on Raz and football was on North End, we're playing Sunderland. Um, I'm watching the game at home with my friend and he's like, fucking, he's going off in town, like, let's go and get on it. He chucks me the Stone Island jumper and this bloody Paul and Shark hat. And all of a sudden, it's like putting your battle armour on, you know. No, you've become someone you're not actually. Uh, put this jumper on, put this hat on. We'd gone to town and um, we'd found Sunderland lads um, in a group of lads and they're all giving it all like, you know, like screaming at each other. I didn't even, didn't even hesitate. There were lads sat on a bench and I just run over and smacked him as hard as I could. No reason, no reason, just because all these lot, because we were all that rowdy and that pumped yeah. and took that many drugs that I were just off me. And, Roll over and I punched him as hard as I could. His head swung right back over the bench, popped back up and he were gone. So everybody then dispersed and everybody ran off. Um, and police were all over, all over looking. So you, I'm walking at High Street and I can hear on the police radios, like we're looking for this person, that person, and they're describing me, mate, that were with me when I did it. And I thought, I can't let him take it for me. I, I, so I freaking I said, like, it's me. And I set off and took a chase, but finally caught up by police dogs. Um, so I was arrested, I was charged, I was taken to court, I got charged with um, a public order offence of using violent and threatening behaviour, um, banned from every football ground in the country, in England and Wales. If England played away, I had to hand my passport into the police. If England played at home, I had to go into the police station and sign in for three years, stop me playing football. How old were you at the time? 18. 18. Stop me playing on every football ground in the country. So you were banned from football? That was it. That was game over? That was game over. That's where I completely crumbled. What did I have left in my life? What was I good for? What could I do? What was I contributing? I was playing Sunday League with lads because I could play Sunday League. But then you yeah. just kind of, everything disappeared. I didn't, I didn't want to play. I, don't get me wrong. It, were, it was still a crack. I was still with boys. Still, this is this now, the, the beautiful mask I wore. I like I planned my death so many times. I were going. I did not want to be on this world anymore. I'd fucking had enough of everybody. Every all these people that surrounded themselves and they were feeding off me because I was yeah. going somewhere. Yeah. Never seen them again in my life. Nobody wanted to know me. Nobody wanted. Nobody give a shit about me. That's how I felt. So that rip, I had picked a where we lived, luckily, we've got like a nature reserve just over back of us. Well, it, it is now, but it wasn't at the time. It was just all that open woodland and stuff. Yeah. And there's one tree, still there now. It hangs just over a bank and there's a nice bank that falls off it. And I'm, I'm putting a rope up that tree and I'm going off that bank. I'll never be able to find my legs. I won't be able to touch the bottom. So I'm not coming back. Once I've done it, I've done it. I took a rope down to woods and I put this on there. I'm in floods of tears and that's it. I'm taking, I'm, I'm going. And then I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. It yeah. just, I, I don't, I can't say what I felt, how I felt, because inside I, I, I was just overwhelmed with emotion. Um, I'm like, right, pack my shit back up. And I'm like, I'm going home. Made a joint, sat there, got stoned. Went, you know, I tried getting some sleep, whatever. Didn't come out of my room for a few, a fair few weeks. Like, um, people coming by and stopping on and saying, like, how are you doing and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, just chilling out. Or I've, I've done ligaments in my knee, so I'm just like resting. 
and was like, fuck, I was in my room crying my eyes out every single day, smoking fag after fag after fag, getting fat, doing fuck all in my life, you know. So... Well, you weren't proud of that. That's why you tell no, people you were injured. No, this is it. I'd never tell anyone. It went in local paper and a few people that knew me knew what I'd done. Yeah. But anybody else, it was I was injured and I couldn't play again. Um, I was lucky. <laughs> a team from Malta had said, like, why don't you come over and play in Malta? And I was like, all right, really, considering it got my hopes up. I felt like, yeah, do you know what? There's a yeah, comeback here. I can chance. feel it here. Mm. Um, and then when I was reminded that you have to hand your passport into the police every time England play away, you have to sign in at the police station every time England are at home. How, how could I go to Malta? How could I be anywhere else? I was a prisoner to my house at that time. I wasn't allowed being three miles of the football ground, yet I lived with a mile and a half in it. So I basically weren't allowed out of my house while that football game run. It's on, so it, it, now in my life, if you look in my home, I have nothing football related, nothing. You'd never know that I ever kicked a ball in my life. Yeah. I, I, my, my son plays football, he encourages it in my son. I love the fact that he does. Um, and I thought by this time in my life, I'd have gone into coaching and stuff, you know, but I've, I've just... Can't do it. I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 I don't want it. I'm no interest in it. I'm not bothered. I enjoy sport. I'm so competitive. I'm almost like a scarred. Love that, but yeah, football. I can't go. I played a charity game about got that about four years ago, and realised there were only five aside. I run up to the top of the pitch. I couldn't get back on. I could. Yeah, but but question kind of mm. like for me is, you went through literally the low, the low of life. How did you cope? Like you you kind of went over you and said, that's what you kind of went through, but. You can feel every second. Every second that you're breathing and in that low point, you're effectively, you feel every point of pain. What kind of got you through it? Kind of like, how did you kind of get past it all? From getting through that stage at, listen, I want to take my own life, to, do you know what? It's behind me. Hmm. It's at the time. Again, it, I don't think it was ever a conscious decision I was making. It's just like, it's like if anybody's ever quit smoking, that day it's you can just go bang, I'm, right, that's it, I'm done with smoking now. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's something in you that just changes. Um, and I changed in the sense that I was still doing, I was still taking cocaine, still smoking weed daily, um, still taking just basically drugs in general, whatever you put in front of me, I'd, I'd take. We, we, so would you say that was kind of your coping mechanism? With, with, completely, time? completely. Yeah. But that then gave me that confidence to get back out with people. I become, stick a line inside me, drop in here, you know, I'm like back on Gaz's ear, like, yeah, everybody's buzzing again. Yeah. And we're back on it. Oh, there's no wrong with him looking at me. He's the happiest person I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. We're inside, honestly, we're torn to pieces. Absolutely just ripping to pieces. This is where um, I started playing semi-pro football then. Yeah. Um, started, you know, like getting back into football, um, getting a feel for it. Yeah. And this is where football changed because I was playing games and I remember playing a game not far from here. And the ball went up for an header and I watched it go straight over the top of my head. Normally I had a 
been pissed off and I'd not let go of that. I'd have been like, oh, have you missed that? No, I'd kick myself. Jumped up, missed it and went, fuck it, I'm not bothered. And that for and you I was the... Yeah. And that's when I knew football's not for me now. Not for me. The wages were good. It were a nice top up on me. I started working in like warehouses and stuff, you know. What, from before football? Whilst playing semi-pro, obviously it's not a full-time gig, is it? Playing semi-pro football, so I had to get a job, started working in warehouses and um, picking like shampoo bottles up and shit, you know. Like, it, I love the job, I love the people I work with. It brought me into a whole new perspective, you know, like of... A reality. Completely, completely. Yeah. I was now working on a production line, literally going like this, putting caps on top of shampoo bottles, one after another after another. Yeah. You know, and still playing, managing to play football at weekends. But I realised that, although the, the wage were a good top up on my wage, you know, to play football, that I was turning up pissed and stoned every week. No, I weren't bothered about playing football. It was just that I could still play football. And I think people expected me to play football, so I went and played football. Yeah. I enjoyed playing Sunday League with lads. I can't say I never enjoyed Sunday League with lads because I really, really did. Out of all the teams, I played in the bottom league for the shittest team in the league. Just because you wanted to. And loved it. Loved every mm. single second of that. Um, the manager was a fantastic man. Really placid, humble, gentle man. Um, the lads around us, they were all good lads, you know, like there was actually lads you want to be around. Yeah. And I loved playing for that team. Um, but apart from that, like I say, Football for me had gone out at window. That had gone. I didn't want it. I weren't hungry for it. I had no ambition to play it. I couldn't actually play it. Yeah. That's the reality. Is is my body wouldn't let me play it anymore. I was fucked. So you were you were how old now? This is 18, 19, oh, so 19 okay. year. So this is so a, a lot happened in that year. Oh, a you lot. went from effectively from my hearing, football was like football was the career you were going to be pro. Then, because of events, your life transitioned. That's it. And I was meant to live again. It was going back to that, like, being a child where you thrust responsibility upon you. It's now thrust responsibility on me again. I've got to earn some money. Where do I get money from? How do I be uh, normal? Uh, yeah. How do I, uh, how, where do I get a job? Yeah. I was lucky with an uncle that worked at the shampoo factory and he's like, oh, I'll get you, I'll get you a job here. <sighs> Thanks, buzzing. Cheers for that. Yeah. Raving to God, you know, like, just just for something to do yeah, if yeah. anything it was something to do it was I wasn't on my own there were people around me you could distract yourself a bit yeah completely yeah, I get that. so how did you progress the next few years moving from all this dramatic experiences that you went through at that yeah. age that, life changing experience yeah, yeah. life changing yeah. Um, just just before I turned 20 that's when I met my first wife um, met this woman at a house party what it were as friends would go out at Christmas, we call it Air Christmas, do like unofficially. We're just lads going out and getting pissed and whatnot, take a few drugs. And yeah. when I get a phone call, um, there's a girl at this house and she wants to shag you. I'm like, I'm all over it, then I'll be there in 10 minutes. Yeah. So I'll get a taxi to this house, get there. The girl that was there, like it obviously didn't happen. Um, yeah. So what I did is um, there were another girl there, and I can't say that she was the most attractive woman I've ever met or the, the, I, I really noticed the first time round, you know, but then some lad, we, we were taking lines of cocaine and some dickhead like we were slagging somebody off 
And I just weren't freeing it me, so I was pissed and I was sniffed up and I thought, I'm, I'm having this outside. So I've got shirts off, I'm like, come on, we're outside, me and you now. And, and they probably batted me, were massive, this lad. But I'd just lost plot, I, I would just have to fight him with him. And she grabbed me arm and she pulled me down and she's like, just sit here and have a laugh with me. And she started telling me about, she'd just come back from Malaysia, she travelled, you know. And I found her really, really interesting, genuinely found her interesting. Yeah. Um, so I went on with her that night, obviously, um, slept with her. And normally what I do is after sleeping with somebody, I burn my bridges straight away. You're right. I'd yeah. say to that person, like, and if ever I've treated anybody like this, any woman watches this, I'm so sorry. But I'd, I'd say to, I'd sleep with a woman and I'd say to him, like, right, taxes here, fuck off. Do you know what I mean? I, I've literally climbed out of bed, rubbed somebody in and said, fucking thanks for that. Yeah. Do you know, I was horrible, horrible. I made sure that that person never wanted to come back to me ever again and now we're never going to have a girlfriend. Yeah. Except when I met um, my first wife, she, I woke up in the morning and, and I was still there. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. one day I went and to another changed. and another day I went to another and I thought, actually, I, I quite like this person, you know. Um, made a conscious decision where I I had a, a child, I had my first child with a... Um, Best thing I ever did in my life, that. That was the best moment that, for me personally, to look at this creation that I'd made and this one person now that we're going to love me unconditionally forever, no matter what I do, you know, and I've got to be right for her. I've got to be a dad now. I've got responsibility. I want to be the dad that my dad was to me. You know, my dad gave me everything. He was there for me emotionally, he was there for me physically. It was, was just the, I'm being the dad now. You know, so this now was my driving determination to be well and be do better. well and try and be a better person. Um, and then looked at careers and it's like, well, what do I do? What do I want to do in my life? And when I remember back, there was a, and one man saved my life, uh, and, I'll, and I'll be forever in his debt. When, going back to, like, when me, my cousin had taken his own life and this girl had left me, he took me back to, um, I, I was just in pieces, you know, like, I, I was really emotional, and he was a rugby coach, but we got on really well, he was one of my lectures, and he took me back and he sat me down, and he's like, as you know, Life moves on, don't worry about it. You know, like, it's hard at the time, but you've got to get through it. You know, keep your chin up, then we'll move in. But they were the only person that was actually speaking to me. Yeah. You know, like, where everybody else didn't know what to do with me. Yeah, yeah. I was quite a, a wild character, you know. I, 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 I spoke my mind, I've always spoke my mind, you know. So people just, like, give me a bit of a wide berth, but not him. And and his, just his, his words and his wisdom... And he said, and we got into talking, you know, like, and he's like, look, as he said, this isn't forever. She was never going to be your forever. You know, you don't know why your cousin's done what he's done, you know, like, he obviously wasn't happy, but he's in a happier place. You know, rationalised why my cousin must have took his own life, you know, like, what he must have felt and what he must be feeling, why he didn't want to be here. You know, it really opening my mind and Gave making me think... Yeah. And Phil, I, I, I genuinely, genuinely owe him my life. Um, he was, like I said, at that time I didn't want to be here. I'd fuck it, I'd had enough. Me, no, I, I would go in. And he was literally his words rung over for years. And I remember him talking about careers. And he said, and 
we were talking about, this was in a lecture this, and he was saying like, do you want to work for free? Find something you love and do it forever. And I looked then, and, and this is where, like leading to what I do now, I had to give me head a wobble, I was a parent, I had to provide, and it's like, right, well, I'm going to be working for a long time now, you know, I'm going to be working into my 60s, 70s, what do I do with myself? Yeah. So I looked at careers in relation to working with people, kids mainly. I, I, I thought I'm, I'm going to work with kids, and I said, and, but I didn't know what the job titles were, I didn't know what I was looking for, I had no idea. Um, and I found online on this, just one of them job search websites, it was a, a support worker, and I thought, buzzing, that sounds more like it. Boom, applied for it, um, got invited for an interview, got given the job straight away um, for a private care company. And I still didn't have a clue what I was applying for. I still didn't know who I was going to work with or what I was doing. I was given this address and said, right, turn up to this house for your first shift. So I walked into this house. Um, now, it, now I know it has been like domiciliary care. Um, there were three chaps that lived there. And the first person I seen was this strapping big um, guy with severe autism who sat there playing with his chain. And I'm like, my ass went, so I'm like, oh my God, what's he gonna do? He's gonna kill me, he's gonna wrap this up. I had no idea about disabilities, I had no idea about people with disabilities, what they looked like, I couldn't even tell you what they were called. Yeah. And this is, I mean, when I look back, it's so poor that they, they employed somebody that's gonna support these people who, I had zero, no experience, nothing. Yeah. And I was chucked in this environment, but after that first shift, I knew that's what I was meant to do. You kind of life changed. I spent, I think, my first hour playing drums with a Down syndrome lad, and loved every second. Yeah. We started river dancing in Middlelurk Garden. Do you yeah. know, I got to be fun. I got to be me, but in a positive way. Yeah, I can know. already see it in the way you're describing it, oh, honestly. Like, like you your can face, see everything's face. changed. Absolutely yeah. med for it. And I started then learning. I started looking into um, autism. I, f I find a fascinating subject. I think it's amazing how the human brain works and, and, and in relation to the autistic spectrum and how how broad it is. You know, like, there's no two disabilities the same, you know. The, like, there isn't no two people. That's right. It's... Yeah. So learning disabilities in particular, they really fascinated me. Um, and I started looking into then communication methods. And I thought, you know, like the, this is the barrier that we're coming across all the time was communication, especially when people are non-verbal, you know, two of the chaps in this home couldn't speak. So I were doing things that I were thinking were good for them. But how do I know? They're not telling me. Yeah. So what do I do to make a difference? Started learning like bits of sign language, um, started going on communication courses, you know, like how to communicate and learn from some fantastic people, some really inspirational people around communication and and agree with the ethos that everybody can communicate, everybody, whether that be a wink of an eye, a nod of an head, you know, like it can be anything. We are communicating yeah. all the time. It's just finding out how to. Yeah. So this is where I started then building my career. Um, I left that job to go into day services where um, we, we provided daycare support for people. This gave scope to be involved in activities that were, that were you know, like, so you're engaging people with disabilities in activities and empowering them. Um, so you kind of found your calling? In oh, a sense. completely. And in that, because 
had a sporting background, I was still very active, still very fit and well, you know, like I would bring in exuberance, I would bring in energy to a place that was predominantly lady based and old ladies at that, you know, that we, and I'm coming in like Tasmanian devil and but then what I was taking and learning from that is that was I being the person that they needed me to be? You being yourself, finally. I'm coming into this place and I'm like Hey, everybody, everybody buzzing up now. They're getting everybody. I is a kite. And it was a, it was a, an experienced lady that said to me, she, she said, like, are you the person that he needs you to be? And it somewhat twigged in my head and I thought, no, well, he likes a really quiet person, somebody that's going to sit down and just talk to him. And I realised that when I walk through them doors, then I've got to change, I've got to, change me to, to be who he needs me to be, yeah. not who I think he needs me to be. You know, and then I started developing and looking into this as well, you know, like, and, and professionally looking at how best I can deliver support. Um, something I touched on where I sort of mentioned we use emulations like making cups of tea. Yeah. I would, it said to me, can I have a cup of tea? No problems. One after another, I'd make you thousands of cups of tea if you want. But then, when I wasn't there, they weren't having any cups of tea. And it's like, well, why? They don't have the skills to make cups of tea. I completely de-skilling people by doing everything for them, killing them with kindness, ultimately. When really what I should be doing is, you want to have a cup of tea? Come on then, I'll come and help you make one. Getting people to then make their own food, their own cups of tea, you know. Empowering people, especially people with disabilities, to use the skills they have and do what they love, you know, like do it for themselves so that I'm not there forever. I'm, I was a support worker. I, I wasn't going to be there forever with them. Yeah, you were. They can do it for themselves. You know, this is on all this learning I was taking on board, I really felt that I was making a difference in somebody's life. And how did that make you feel, though? That is my driving force every day. Every day I get up, I do a job where I can change lives. Because my kind of perspective on Gary was, I remember I said it to him straight away. I was like, we need to have him on the show. I said, this guy is passionate. You could tell when someone's speaking, when they're just telling you their story and it's very monotone and they don't really care, to someone who's been through stuff, but wants to now help people. What was quite interesting is like when he's telling the story, he seemed like he, you, you sort of put everything together now. There's yeah. no piece in the puzzle. Do, do you get what I mean? Yeah. And, my question to you is, when do you feel like you grew as a person? Do you know, like it wasn't just, I'm good at this, or I'm good at that, or I'm doing this. When did you actually grow as an individual? It's when I didn't need the recognition. It's when I knew I was doing it right. <laughs> you know, I lived for people, and I surrounded myself with people because I needed them to feed my ego. I don't need anybody anymore. I don't need a soul. I your happiness, it's like people say like, oh, you do this to be happy, do that to be happy, there's manuals on this and that and that. There's nothing, you find what you love and you do what you love and you'll find happiness along the way, you know. There's no magic cure for mental health. There is no, don't get me wrong, there's lots of things you can do to help. There's lots of things you can do to help. And I still, I have my down days. Um, I still take medication for depression, you know, which I flutter on and off and I do try and manage that. But there isn't a magic wand. There isn't a bang and I'm cured. I'm just lucky and I tell you, this is just, 
stupid this i actually found inspiration from a child's film i was watching kung fu panda with my daughter <laughs> and there's there's this tortoise and no, he's yeah, talking to and that saying when he, he started saying um the past is history tomorrow's a mystery but today's a gift that's why they, they call, call it, it the present, present. And you know when something just hits you, know, it sunk right into me core that, and I thought, wow, yeah. I have genuinely got today. What can I do today to make someone smile? Well, it's funny how you know, like different experiences can be the click. Like Kung Fu Panda, who would have known? Kung so, Fu Panda. So that job, it did something for you. How long did you remain in that I job? I remained a sport worker for, uh, gosh, about 10 years. About 10 years I did that, um, but loads of different aspects as well, different avenues. Um, uh, one thing that I really loved doing was um, like a social rehabilitation. So that's working with people that have had life-changing illnesses or um, an acquired brain injury, or you know, something's changed in their life to where they then need some support. Um, and how do you deliver that support? How do you get them back into a community and thriving? Yeah. I had... Um, nine weeks 12 weeks with a person to get the adaptations done in the home you know get them involved in the community make sure that they don't go to the place where i once went you know when life changed for me yeah and i was the right person to do it i felt i was the right person to do it i worked with such a variety of people you know people that like i said i remember one chap who was an electrician who'd putting up his christmas lights fell off the ladder and uh, an acquired brain injury life changing completely life-changing for him and and he couldn't get up in the morning and go to work like we do and but i've been there i've been in that situation and i'm like right so you can talk through experience i can help yeah. i can help i can find you a path you know and we work together we with these people and there were lots of people i've helped and supported which i'm really really proud of and when i see them i see that they're living life you know the the flourishing don't get me wrong, not, not everybody. I can't save everybody and, yeah. I, and I never profess I mean, to save anyone. Too, but a lot of people have had a really, really good impact in their life and I know they respect me for it and I, I'm mm. happy with that. I can sleep with that every night, no bother. Yeah, but it's funny, it's like everybody at a young age thinks the dream is money, recognition, this, this egotistical BS lifestyle. But like, like even like as you were saying, didn't make you happy you just thought you were happy some people exactly. never get out of that though no but it's just like and then when he really got he got back to reality his bubble got burst he went through nasty like tra tragedies and all that kind of stuff you come back to reality and go life is about helping life is about being there for each other like i remember even as simple as the sounds of gary being here today your drive was like an hour in weather Manchester, which is oh, absolutely a scary horrific. drive that. Exactly, it's a horrific <laughs> weather. And what did it, what how do how well do we know each other? What zero? One zero point one percent? We don't. And that was my kind of point, which was he, the second we met, me and him clicked in the sense that But I found that inspiration through you. It was I'd never at the time when when I actually stood up and I said my piece, yeah. I'd never have said that if you'd not because you've obviously delivered your presentation first and you're talking about all that fantastic stuff you've done. And mm, again, you're a you. person that's lived a life and given, you've walked a mile in someone's shoes, you know, you literally, yeah. you've walked in people's shoes and you've felt that, that hurt that a person can feel, yeah. you know, and then you did something about it. But it just came from literally like you, it's opening up. 
through like like you said i opened up to make you open up i feel like there's no feeling that can match that like literally when he's saying his story about helping i'm just in my perspective i'm smiling because i've got them stories in my head connect you definitely connect on a different level and like i was saying i can't like like say enough from the second i messaged him i was like we need to speak to gary he is Amazing. Thank you. He told it to me straight away. I, I think he didn't give him an option. I was I like, genuinely yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. I don't believe it. No, and that's what that's yeah. what the best thing about you is, is the fact that he's so humble and thinks that this is normal for him to do. It's not. God, wait till you meet my wife, then I'd say, you know, she's an angel. <laughs> she's, gosh, she is my driving force, and I learned most of my craft through her. She is the most mindful person. She never looks at anybody with a narrow mind, she has an open mind for everyone. What an amazing woman. You know, she's raised beautiful kids. She's just and that's, an so angel. Really, so I'm lucky to have her, really. I remember the last thing he said to me, we were getting into the cars and he was like, listen, Faisal, whatever you need, if you, whatever someone's help needs yeah. help, call me on that. Yeah. Who says that? Wow. <laughs> Who actually says that? No, no, I'm genuinely yeah. means no, it. No, no, say, no, if no. I can, I can't help everybody, but if I can help I you, I will help I you. I told him eight o'clock, he was here before me. I, I was like, like, like 7.59, he was here. I was like, wait, are you? <laughs> I'll be here. And but listen, I that's what so sincerity is not known. Is, I'm, I'm so interested in his story, I want to go back to it. I want to go back to it. I'm so sorry to call you. No, 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 it's just so, I needed to hit. 10 years you've been in this job, and it seems like there's dramatic growth. Has anything sort of dragged you back to the old you when you were 18 in that 10 years has did anything dramatic happen no there's nothing significantly happened in my life that and to be honest i don't think there ever will be that's not a place i ever want to be go to or do anything very very recently well not very recently um six years ago now seven years ago was the breakdown of my first marriage um very, very tough time, very traumatic time. Obviously, two children involved as well. Um, having to start life again, you know, on my own. Luckily, I, I mean, my kids are, are wonderful and we've got such a close bond and we're really, really close. But still, that had never take me to my deepest, darkest place. You know, very, very scary times. Did very, you say, like, you kind of learn how to handle yourself and control yourself a bit better? Yeah. Through going through it? Although, genuinely, my mental health completely crashed. I, again, I was I was a, a very, very, very low ebb. I wouldn't say I wanted to take my own life, but there's moments inside it, and there's still, it, it creeps in this day where you could be driving out motorway and you think, you know what, if I fucking hit that bridge now, I wouldn't be bothered. If I if I if if it a car took me out, I'm not right. Give a shit, right? See, that's that's already the point that I'm I'm just going to interject <laughs> right here. He doesn't realise his value. Like Gary, like he like the second he said to me, I'm an inspiration to him. You were an inspiration to me in the sense that I just felt everything. I felt the stuff. I felt that you wanted to help. He was like, listen, if I can help, I'm helping. And you need to kind of understand that. Like, like super super hum- humble you, like we're searching for people to come speak to to come sit on this car like seat and whatever and have that conversation with and we couldn't dream of f- finding someone 
as amazing as what you are, no, in a sense. No, thank um, you. Well, I, I, and that's the thing, you don't realise it. And no, actually, but not that's that what I don't, makes him amazing. I don't want to, I mean, it's yeah. not that I don't want to believe it, and, I, and I'm quite comfortable to know that I'm not a bad person, I'm a nice person, and, and I genuinely do, I, I, I love to give, but I get a lot back from doing that. Yeah. You know, it's not selfless. Yeah, I you always said, say that. You said the same, yeah. I literally yeah. say the same thing in a sense. Helping, you don't, is as great you're helping, yeah. but always remember that you're yeah. gaining from it. Always am. And that's the thing is, is, that's why I do it. I'm not doing it for nothing. That's what I mean. You're kind of getting better Stop. from speaking, like we were talking, he's a barber. From speaking to people, he's gaining so much knowledge from whatever I do, speaking to people. I think you're in a really good position, me. I think you're in a life-changing position, to be honest, because... When people come into your shop and sit with you as a barber, where have they come from and where are they going? You know, that could be somebody, literally you could be the only person that day that that person sees. I know, I know, I do feel it and it's a responsibility. But it's kind of just like yourself, you don't really think about it too much. You just sort of do it, you know, it's just who you are. If someone needs help, you don't think I'm helping them. It's just, you, do it. you know, <laughs> two people meeting each other. No, but that's, that's the kind of thing that they value the most. You're not helping them because you choose, you kind of, you're told to help them. Mm. You're helping them because that's who you yeah, are. Yeah, don't and patronize that's what they anyone appreciate. or make them feel that's like what I'm helping the them most. a bit. No. Bel- and that's kind of, again, and I keep reiterating, that's what was the, the thing to me that was just unbelievable. You see a lot of people who help these days, and I've done a lot of charity work, but you don't see a lot of people that would stop their life just to help. It'd be no, no bother. Like, like, and it's admirable. I, I, see, I try and instill this in, in my children, and luckily I'm blessed, not just with my children, with my stepchildren as well, the beautiful people really are uniquely beautiful. They're fantastic, and, and they've got kind hearts, you know, really nice foundations to build on. Obviously, the mums are a fantastic influence. Yeah, and I and I can only try and add to that, um, and I try and open their minds to see things. You know, like how they look at life and how they treat people. Um, I remember once with my son, um, we'd got to we'd gone to a supermarket, and as we were getting to the door, and my son was really young at, at this point, um, there was an old gentleman stood there at the front, and he stood at the big black mat, and he's just looking into it, and people are going round him like stupid old man get out of the way you know like no patience no time for him and I knew straight away only because I've been in the profession only because I knew what I was looking at that this gentleman had dementia and he genuinely thought he was staring into a black hole and weren't going to go over it you know yeah. although we knew we needed to go shopping so I'm looking and I just just stood at the side of him just said I said you know like, I brought that conversation I had you know like um are you worried about standing on this? Um, don't worry, you're not going to fall. If you want to, I said, I can help you across this and I'll hold your hand and help you across this. And I did that, but with my son with me. Yeah, and then explained all the way around that supermarket why I did it over and over and over and over again because then I hope one day that he has that knowledge and that empathy to then support people, not be the person that walks around and says, get out of the way, go on. You know, I'm... That's amazing that you kind of are that role model. That's, that's like, honestly, something that they, to you, it's going to be teaching him something. For him, that's going to be life-changing. I hope so. He's going to be that, that guy who told you, who broke down life, your rugby coach, who kind of broke that. He's going to be that moment for him. But for you, that's just you doing you. 
Yeah. For him, that's going to be life changing. So you so. said you're 33 now. 33, yeah. 33. Well, coming up 34 this So, right, roughly 16 years ago, you had this dramatic change and your life kept changing yeah. by the sounds of it. Now, do you have a better relationship with your family or I've, I've always are you in a better place? Really good, a really, really good relationship with my family and a lot has changed, like you say, not just for me, but for my family around me as well. And we've all adapted with each other and all offered each other support. Um, and we all remain really supportive of each other. And we celebrate each other as well. You know, we're, we're happy for each other, what people achieve. Yeah. There's no amount of jealousy in my family. There's no, oh, he's doing better than she is or passing judgments on why she's not doing that or he's not doing this. We're, we're very, very supportive um, in our family, which I'm really, really blessed to have. Um, relationships can still be fractured now and then, you know. But that's part of life, of course. Yeah, that's yeah, part of yeah. life. But we're resilient enough to bounce back on that. Your you dad's know, still and, selling and antiques. He, well, he doesn't know. He's, no, um, <laughs> is he? No. Um, part of this, doing this for me, is um, I've, I've watched the, the, the downfall of my dad. My dad's suffering with mental health at the moment. Wow. Um, going through a really, really so tough too. time with panic attacks and anxiety and. And that's what he's going through right now. My dad's now. life, when I look at my dad's life, he was always surrounded by people. He'd had four lads, um, always surrounded by his kids, always doing some, always worked. Um, my dad's a, a large man, you know, he carries a lot of weight. And in that, is there's health issues, like his knees have gone. Yeah. Um, his mobility's not great. So he, he's, he'd been off sick from work, which he'd always worked. And it's only recently he's come off sick. And kind of... He, so he's now... He, He's on his own in a one-bedroom flat. So he went from non-stop and then stop. It's nothing. And to handle that is... Yeah. So my dad's life changed. So then there's... But I'm in a really lucky position where um, me and my dad support each other. So when I'm not feeling too well, my dad gets it and he helps and he supports me. Just as simple as giving me a kiss and love and tells me he loves me. It's nice enough for me. Literally, this goes back to our... Before our camp, before we started this podcast, mm. we were talking about your environment makes you who you are. At the start, let's go through it. When when you when you were going through your worst points, in quotation marks of your life, it's because you were hanging around with the wrong people. Too right. And then when you started to realize, like when you like when he talks about his life now, the passion and the love and the admiration and all that kind of stuff comes from now because he realizes that the difference between the people he's hanging out with and because he has that dad, because he has the people around him, he had that stability to get out effectively, mm -hmm. which is amazing to hear. But also you had to seek it because there's, yeah. there's, there's two ways of it. They're saying, pushing everyone away from your life and saying, no, I'm done. I'm out of there. I'm, I'm going to escape my problems and run away. Right. Or there's what you did, which was tough it out for a bit until you kind of made sense enough to start speaking about it. And would you say, like, I know this is probably your first time speaking properly mm -hmm. and going into depth, but speaking to people, was that your way of handling it? And like, how would you kind of advise people to go through, if going, they're going through that kind of stuff, I how do they handle it? I think you're bang on there with speaking and, and a lot of professionals tell you, oh, speak about it, go and speak to your doctor, go and speak to whoever, speak to whoever you feel comfortable talking to genuinely get that one thing off your chest 
Um, for me, it was, it was a colleague, yeah. and it was just one day, and she knew the signs in me because this one day I'm high as a kite, I'm bashing, bashing around office, you know, like going at 100 mile an hour, singing, dancing, everybody's you know, like, hey, everybody high fiving everybody, giving everybody hugs. And she and, and when everybody left the office and I'm just me and her, she just spun around, she went, what's wrong with you? And, then and she the, knew, and I just burst into tears and said, I'm having a really bad time, really, really, really tough time. Um, but then got into talking, you know, like actually talking deep and talking like this and sat there for about an hour just chatting away about stuff and it, oh, God, the, the elation, you know, like it, it's like literally opening a kind of popping that fizz comes out at the top, it like, wow, I, and then I've sort of, you realise how much. Drop it more and more now. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really comfortable with talking about it. I'm, I'm not ashamed. It's, it defines me as a person. The mistakes made I made, I learned from them. Yeah. And like I say, I've done a lot of bad things to some people, and and I'd, I'd love to take them back. I can't. What I can do is I can make today a little better for somebody else, and I'll try my best. Yeah, and that's that's something that, again, is amazing. From the second I heard it, from the second you told me it, from the second, first impressions last. And from the second he said to me, listen, if we're helping someone, I'm in. Mm -hmm. He didn't go, oh, are you paying me? Oh, are you doing this? Are you doing that? No, I'm helping someone. I'm willing to expose myself. I'm willing to, people are going to undervalue how easy this is. And we tried it when we were there because we, 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 we've done our own. And it's difficult to open yourself up for mm -hmm. everyone to hear, for whatever. But just with the core principle and core value. I hope this helps somebody. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's helped anybody. me anyway. Man, to me, this conversation is just send me aback. I'm, I'm, I'd urge any man, there's a lot of pride in men. And I was, because I was surrounded by guys that were brought up in a family full of lads, you know, yeah. it, it, there was that. Because that's the environment. He's well. been a soft bastard, you know, shug it off, you know, like, sort your head out, give your head a wobble. Oh, mate, don't do that. Literally. Go and get help. There's no shame in taking medication if you need it. There's no shame in speaking to doctors. Go speak to whoever you feel comfortable speaking to, and that's the start of it. Is talking. Just start. With Everything something. falls into place from them conversations, but you need to start talking so we know what we're dealing with and how we can help. Because we we all kind of come from the same idea. We come from Manchester and we're roundabout. Manchester is a cold city in, yeah, in the yeah. sense of mentality. There's no emotion. There's no, none of this social media life that's portrayed in like London or something yeah. like that. So it's, everyone here I find is a bit more closed off. It's a bit more brew. It's a bit more raw. So that's a kind of a great perspective for you to tell somebody, which is you've lived that. You've lived that. I think more than ever as well. I think it's getting your emotions in check <coughs> as well because... You see a lot of stuff on TV, like with knife crime and guns and all this shit. That, them actions are driven by emotion. They're not just done for nothing. You know, not, I, don't, I, I don't believe that any kids are out there just stabbing someone for the sake of it. There's a reason why they're doing that, whether it's to look fantastic in front of them. I did the same. I got myself banned from every ground in the country, trying to look good in front of all these thugs behind me, ruined my life. Don't do idiotic, stupid, life-changing things for, on raw emotion. Take some time to think. You know, think about your actions. Think about what you're doing. And 
process it, try and process what, if I would so, so much rather somebody pick the phone up and say, guys, can I just chat to you for two minutes? You know, my head's cabbaged and I'm, I'm going to, I've split up with my missus, she's got me another fella, I'm going to go and cave his head in. I'd, I'd rather you pick the phone up and talk to me about it. You know what I mean? Don't think, right, that's it, head's pickled, I'm... I'm just going to do I'm gonna first fucking, action go. Yeah, I'm going to fucking kill him now, that's it, and go and do it. <laughs> no, and I think that's a kind of great point to also, like, end on in the sense that it's been amazing, honestly, like, you're going you're gonna to think it's your life, you're going to think this is normal to say it, you know what I mean? Because everyone who lived their own life thinks it's normal. But I know for me, but also to Karim, this is like, I don't know, I can't fathom, I can't even put it in words. I feel like I only, only certain people can appreciate you. Thank like you. someone's got to understand it. But it's an inspirational story. And you're a role model that people need to like see. Yeah. Do you know what I can't get me around? It's that term story, when you say it's your story. Yeah. And yeah, it is a story, you know, but I never look at it as a story. That's just been my life. And that's it's just how it is. I, I, I dealt with what I had. And I kind of, I kind of really advise you, from my perspective, is keep telling that story. <laughs> because your perspective, your everything is amazing. Yeah, see what's It's amazing. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. And I don't even have a quarter of what you have. And, like, for me, this is more than everything I could have dreamed of having from this experience. And you're a fighter, honestly, like, from listening to your journey from, you know, your early teenage years to going to this tree and, you know, about to take your own life. And even that, the way I see it is you actually fought that and... And you <laughs> undervalue you, that. And you, again, you und like you said, you undervalue it. And the, the, the whole journey is like a battle after battle. You kept getting sidetracked, kept getting dragged and here you are, you're sat on the, on the yeah, side. having a conversation and, about... And, and I'm in all reuse, it's the... I, I genuinely am nothing but respect for you both. Well, thank oh, you thank that. you. And honestly, mate, and to anyone hearing this, man, it's whatever, do something. Like, yeah. do something. Yeah. Like, you can see, this is a literal example of what helping and doing good and being the, the person you actually are rather than the person that you're told to be can do for you. I tell like, you now when people say oh just stick a smile on your face try and put a smile on somebody else's face see how that makes you feel. And I think that is literally the perfect ending to this. What a better quote. Uh, man thank you so much. Genuine thank you. Oh, thanks, for honestly, thank you so much. Bro, I don't even, I'm speechless. I'm not, I'm not ever speechless, but I just talk, don't stop talking. Like, uh, would you like to say anything, Kareem, to spend anything else to point that I missed out? Uh, no, just stay tuned in for more. Seriously, yeah, we're gonna, I hope we have here. anything that is a quarter yeah. of this. Thank you, man, yeah, honestly. Yeah, thank well, you, appreciate it. it. Thank you. Thanks. All right, cut. Oh, fuck man, you know, listen, uh, listen to me. You're right, This bro. has been amazing.